The dark gave way to a brilliant red light. Fire appeared, blazing before me on a pyre that sat upon a stone platform down below. I was rushing to meet it. The light glowed upon a glimmering lake that cast shadowy waves on a sandy shore. It was fortune that my fall carried me not a step further. I landed in the waters, deep and wide, and my feet touched quickly the sandy bed. Three feet farther and I would have crunched there, likely to death. I rose sputtering in the chilled air. The shore was before me, lit in shadows cast by the pyre that fell over a high-rimmed wall. It appeared to be made of stone. Before it, Niederlai spread out like a wet spider, his hands pressed into the sand. I clawed across the low bed and lifted from the waters, which I realize now were ooze-like and thick, falling down from my clothes like thin dough and creating cloudy puddles wherever it landed. It smelled awful, like rot and dead meat, but I don't know what would make water smell like that, and I didn't want to find out. I rushed quickly to the shore and fell down beside Neater. I sighed. I am tired of falling, I said. Neater did not answer from where he lay, looking up towards the dark ceiling. Through a hole up there, I could see, faintly glowing, a green light that marked where we had fallen from. It shined far, far away, much farther than I should have survived in any fall, water or not, and it made me wonder if there was something to this whole hero-cure thing that Neater had been talking about. As I watched, Nita raised a finger to his lips and quietly whispered, Shh. I frowned and wondered what it meant. Slowly, his finger lifted to become a pointing mark which showed the way up into the dark. I followed. His finger made a line to a place some ways to the front of our sudden drop. My eyes lingered there for a while, but I saw nothing. Only a haze. There was a great black reek coming up from the pyre, like like garbage being burned, and it cast a black smoke that filled the upper areas. Suddenly the crimson of the fire was reflected in something above us. The smoke shifted, and in that brief shift flashed a mirror, or something like it. Then it was covered again. I realized with horror that it had been the reflection of an eye, blinking in a black sky. What is that? I whispered. Nader did not answer. His hand lowered slowly to his side. He began to rise at an agonizing pace, careful not to make a single noise, until he was crouched down below the shadow of the stone rim. He motioned for me to do the same. For the next few minutes we crept along the dark shadow of the wall, going towards a place on the left where it disappeared around what appeared to be a small tower that had crumbled. I saw now that there were many fallen things there in the dark. Houses and road, refuse and, and skeletal remains. There was a terrible stench coming from beyond the pyre. Now I could see over the lip of the wall that the fire was set on a garbage heap. A flame and put there by some unseen person. The black smoke that filtered into the air shrouded the ceiling. But despite the horrible smell... I was thankful for it. Between every break of that smoke, the ceiling would be revealed in flashes of red, and what waited there chilled me. Eyes were upon every part of the sky, 
shifting and blinking and dripping something foul and green which sizzled when it touched the sand. And the smoke being clear, surely these things would have seen us. Quietly, carefully, we reached the place where the brilliance of the pyre was lost behind the shattered tower. But before we stepped into the gloom, Nita raised a finger and implied our silence should continue. I made no argument. The sandy shore ended there and the stench of the garbage heap lessened, but in their place a humid, wet earth arrived. The path beside the tower was not stone, but dirt. Muddy, soft dirt that clung to our feet and sopped loudly when we pulled free. It began to descend immediately, and I could hear the sound, but not see, water pouring over the walls of our decline, seeping into the lower land. Jumping shadows of the pyre danced on our left hand, riding the wall and revealing things I did not want to behold in the dark. I saw limbs, hands, flesh rotted away. I kept my mouth shut and followed Nieder. When we had gone a ways down the tunnel, Nieder suddenly stopped and declared, Oh, that was something, lad. Something indeed. We are quite... We are having quite the journey, us two. Now, for the bad news. I lost the map in the fall. Great. Well, suppose that is not your fault. Neither of us were expecting it. And I'm not going back for it. There was something out there. What is this place? Is it a sewer? I think it was called The Waste when I was reading our path on the map, but I did not think it would be so literal. This is a fetid swamp. Do you know I fell on a corpse? Or, I think it was a corpse. It was slimy and soft and bent in odd ways. I dearly hope it was no one I knew. Ah, what a world. <sighs> a world and barely worth saving, I think, I said. What was on the ceiling? It looked all eyes. I couldn't see anything else. Oh, lad, some monsters are best left in the dark. You will see enough to keep you fearful on this road. But, good news, I believe the waste was just a bit before the divide. We must be close now, though I can only guess if we are coming by a safe road. I hope we do not need to be above ground to reach our quarry. That would be foul luck. That is all the luck I seem to get, I said. Do you remember anything of the way? Uh, roads, maybe? No, no, it was just a name on the page. I do not remember any of it. I would guess our only road is ahead. We just go on until we... <laughs> Neither stopped abruptly as he ran headlong into a dirt wall. He coughed and sputtered. Ah, well, <laughs> maybe not straight ahead. Feel along, lad. Let's find our way in this dark. We reached in the empty black for a minute and found that the path bent to the right. Hard stone met us a few feet down in the dark, but across it was moss that felt strangely like hair, and which, in the other black, took no small bit of convincing of myself to believe it was not. 
I imagined all sorts of evil there, with my hands upon their face, and their wide eyes blinking at me. But nothing ever leaped out. The tunnel simply continued on. Eventually, the soft moss gave way to hard, coarse brick, and the ground beneath us dried. We had passed from the garbage lake and reached a cleaner land. A few minutes later, we found a staircase, in no small part due to my tripping over its first step. We followed it up. Cold air began to blow on our faces, coming from a high area, full of a smell like spring rains. A sound of dripping water fell from above our heads, and the soft patter of our feet faded as the ceiling rose away from us. The steps finally ended some time later. We were still in utter dark, but now the walls fell back on each side and we heard, though still could not see, that the room expanded into a wide open area. It was not an empty room, though, as I soon found when my knee collided with something hard in the black. Through frantic feeling, I presumed it to be either a cart or a broken table. And it was not alone, for many things lie in the dark, some sharp and some rounded, some made of cloth and others feeling like iron. Interspersed between these ruins were smaller, broken things. A few felt like cups or vases, and some like the remains of fabric, but here and there I would come across things smooth and hard, which made shapes all too familiar. Faces and arms and feet. I think there are remains here, I said. Not well, quite. It feels like a graveyard, but not a made one, Nieder said. What do you mean? Oh, just that I have walked through many places of abandonment, and there is a certain feel that they have. Places of war are cut and scarred, broken apart, and places of death are clean, often well kept, usually orderly. But places that were forsaken, those are altogether different. They are hopeless, scattered, just left to die where they are. Sometimes they are slowly left by the inhabitants, and you find a world frozen in the moment, with everything exactly as it was when they left, but only rotted and dusty. But others, others were not left. Others are kept closed. Those are the worst. Closed how? I asked. Oh, closed to keep something in, Nieder answered. Sometimes, whether of fear or cruelty, there are men who will lock aside those they do not wish to see the light of day. And those are the ones most pitiful. They are not quick deaths. Not quick ruin. They are a slow decay. The shops fall eventually to pieces. The people starve over years, and all that was abandoned becomes a rotted heap. This feels like an abandoned place. These broken things at our feet. This was not the doing of war. It was the doing of time. Those who dwelled here were locked away. We were not meant to find them. That puts a dark cast on this. What do you think it was? I asked. I could not see him in the dark, but I imagine Nieder shrugged. Who can say, lad? This city is old. 
very old, and was falling to pieces long before this darkness came to call. I was not here when the Lightbringer, whatever odd man he may be, arrived on the shores, but I have seen a thousand thousand Ostwitches. Not all named the same, of course, but every world has them. It is the nature of mankind to grow bigger and bigger and often, though not always, to consume itself from within. That is awful, I said. That is man, Nieder answered. You are a hungry, selfish people, created to destroy. Marhau did not seem so bad, I protested. No, no, Marhau was not as diseased as this pit. You were a young kind of sickness, the kind that thinks it will fix everything with words and shouts. Nonsense, of course. You do not build better roads by standing aside the old one and yelling how much you hate it. That kind of stupidity is the nicer kind, though. The ones that come after, those are much, much worse. They are the ones that try to destroy it all. Burn it down to build again, they cry. But they forget all good things behind them as they do. And if they get their way, the thing that comes after is always worse. Ostwich is what comes after. Ideals without grounding, desire without reason, the worst elements of your kind set free. Made to run over itself in a rush, to reach something that cannot be reached. What is that? I asked. Perfection, Nieder answered. Sometimes, lad, it is good to stop and be thankful for a broken thing, or it may be the best of what can be. You... you are all limited creatures. You do not have minds to know all ends, or eyes to see all paths. Yours is a lost sheep in the dark, wandering about, and sometimes you sheep find the road. And you walk on it for a time, happy and peaceful. But then, some of you say, Oh, there must be a better road, and run off. But you find there is only more darkness out there. And you come back and you say, Well, it failed once out there, but here, here it would be better. Let us build a better road instead of finding it elsewhere. And that, that is the chance, lad. That is the moment, the decision. If you agree, if you sheep drop the way and pick up the tools and start uprooting foundation, that, that is when it all goes to pieces. Because you are not builders, you see. You are sheep, made to listen to a shepherd, to do as you're told. It is a better way in the end. That does not sound better. That sounds like slavery, I said. No, it is. The very best kind. The kind that is proper and good. Everyone serves another lad, whether they know it or not. The rich man serves a richer. A pauper serves his master. Even I am not the last link on a chain. Well, I don't like that at all, I said. That sounds much worse, in fact. We should all be free to choose our path. Making your own way is best. Is it? Have you done a good job with that? Well, 
who am I to disagree? After all, look around. What a wonderful path your freedom has made. But no, lad. I am not talking about freedom. I am talking about progress. That awful, dirty word. Progress. Throwing off chains simply because they exist, not because they are bad. That is the problem. And make no mistake, sometimes the chains are bad. They can be too tight, too restricting, too dangerous. But some, some chains are meant to keep one safe, to keep one on the right path, and to bring you to a good end. Oh, and who makes that chain? Some king in his castle? I said. No, 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 lad. That is the whole problem with you men, always looking to some fellow or lady and saying, oh, these other ones have led us astray, but this one right here, they have the right of it. And then you go walking off a cliff. You keep looking up to people just like you and thinking they have a better answer. But they don't, lad. That's the secret. They don't. They are looking up as well, and they don't like what is above them. So they drive off the path to make their own. One where they are the top link of the chain, and you, you fools, you wander right along. But see, Kalen, eventually, all leaders fall off their chosen way, and the ones behind them become lost, unable to find a path, because they were only a blind following another blind. And then they are locked in places like this, empty dark tombs, to keep them quiet, to keep them away, and to keep other sheep from realizing the shepherd is no more capable than they. Okay, fine, talk as you will. I don't know what you're suggesting. It seems to me like all roads are ending in disaster, if you are to be believed. Oh, they are! Because you fools never stay on the right one! You get your knowledge and your guidance and you find the road and you stay there for a while. But then someone goes and says, I am smarter than this, and walks right off the edge and the march of doom begins. Progress. Ugh. It should be so good a word but it always seems to end foully. Sometimes, Kaelin, it is best to be content and realize that progress does not always go forward. Sometimes it turns, goes astray, and rebounds on itself to drive backwards. No one sets out to be a tyrant, but many find their way to that place because they did not simply stop and say, it is enough. I fell silent and did not answer him. I saw no point in the conversation. We were lost in an unknown land, in the dark, with no idea where we were going. Who cared if our philosophy was good? So we went on in silence for a time, feeling our way through a graveyard of things, relics of an older world. Eventually, after what felt like hours, but truly I cannot know the time, our hands found a far wall. We followed this to the left, and soon came to a place where it turned a corner. Around the corner, we felt fresh air blowing, and we knew it was the right way. More walking through darkness followed, 
We climbed for a time in quiet contemplation. I will admit, despite being initially fearful of this endless void, I was coming now to enjoy it. I felt unseen there. Safe. Perhaps for the first time since I had entered this wretched city. We had heard no noise for hours, and even the drip of water now faded behind. Were it not for our footsteps, I could have convinced myself I was asleep, lost in dreams, waiting to wake up. But eventually our walk came to an end. We reached a high door made of wood, banded in iron, with an iron grate window that I could see only barely. Somewhere in the dark beyond the door, a light was shining, red and grim, and very soft, but to me, having spent so long in the dark, it was as brightly lit as a dusk evening. We stopped at the door and looked out, but we could see only a short way before a stone wall cut off all sight. The door opened into an alley. We cautiously pulled it open, creaking and loud to our quiet attuned ears, and Nieder stepped out first. I followed soon, and once I was on the road, I looked about. The alley was a tunnel, covered by a low ceiling of brick and stone and overlaid with wood beams, and distantly I could see the fire that left glowing, dancing fingers upon the walls. A brisk wind blew down from the right. It was cold, much colder than the air we had left on the far side of our journey, and a smell of something burnt was on it like the last wisps of smoke from a fire. Which way, I wondered as I looked out. I knew which one I desired. There in the freezing air, I wanted to go towards that fire, if only to warm my hands. Neater thought a moment, rubbing his chin, and said, I don't know. The map is completely out of my mind. There were not many roads, though. If we could find a high spot or an open place, perhaps we can see the inner part of the city. See? I, I doubt we will see anything. Light... There are no lights here. It's as hard to find a flame as it is people. Ha! Right you are, Kaelin. Good show, but... We must try some direction, unless we plan to sit down here and die. So why not this first? Come. We shall check over by that light and find what awaits us in this new place. I followed Nieder along the shadow of the wall. Soon we came to an area that opened into a courtyard, or perhaps what might have been a marketplace in an older time. Now it was just a ruin. Buildings lie shattered. Stalls that may once have sold vegetables or meat now were turned over and set on their sides. There was a fire here, but... It was no comforting light of a torch. This was a blaze set upon an entire building's worth of furniture that had been dragged from the dark places and thrown into a pile. The light was harsh, blinding, and in the shadow cast by the fire, far in the back, at a place where it fell finely against dark stone, standing with their backs turned as if they were afraid to look deep into the flame. I could see people lined against the walls of the area, all with hoods over their head, all with their backs against the pyre, and all chanting lowly in whispers. 
I could not hear what they said, but as we came up, a feeling of dread overcame me. 